Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Voice of Wealth interviews. I'm Charlotte de Capoisson. Today, I'm delighted to welcome back Ed Shing, Global Chief Investment Officer from BNP Paribas Wealth Management. Hello, Ed. Thanks for joining me today. And hello, Charlotte. Today, we will address the hot topic of debt. Now, debt is everywhere. Government debt, more widely public debt, including that of local authorities but also household debt and corporate debt. And debt is swelling to astronomical heights. Generally speaking, Ed, why do you think debt is growing so fast? Well, that's sort of interesting. If we were to delve into the history of this, uh, Charlotte, we would have to argue that the real explosion debt happens around deep recessions. Because what happens is that the economy really starts to suffer goes into reverse and unemployment surges and governments want to react to that. And they want to react to that by spending more money to get growth going again, to get unemployment back down. So this is what we saw uh, 2007 till 2009 in the great uh, financial crisis. Governments had to spend unprecedented amounts of money to get the economy going again. And that's also been true last year in the wake of the coronavirus crisis in March. So what's happened is governments have committed to spending an awful lot of money that they don't have. So how do they do that? Well, they borrow it. And how do they borrow it? They issue bonds. Bonds are IOUs that are issued to investors. Investors give governments their money and expect a rate of interest every year. And at the end of the maturity of the bond, let's say 10 years, they expect to get their original amount of money back as well. So that's how it works. Okay, so I was going to ask you how they go about it. You kindly asked, answered that question. Who are the lenders, though? So who lends money to governments? Well, generally, um, it depends. It can be private investors, so retail investors, such as in Italy. Um, a lot of Italian government bonds are owned by retail investors, by households, directly. Uh, otherwise, the main investors tend to be uh, pension funds and insurance companies because they want to hold a range of assets. Some of those assets, they want to be relatively low risk and bonds, government bonds satisfy that purpose. Now, the problem here is that um, today, interest rates have actually gone to off almost zero or in some cases, for instance, in Europe, are negative rates now. So that is the issue. Now, do you still want to buy these bonds uh, at negative rates? Because effectively what you're saying is I'm going to lend my money, let's say, to the German government for, let's say, 10 years. Not only do I not really get an interest rate back, but effectively I'm paying the German government for them to borrow my money, which is a bit strange. So at the moment, it is institutional investors who hold the bulk of government bonds. But going forwards, let's see if that will continue to be the case. So some could argue that if governments need to increase debt, the sky is their limit. I mean, is there a limitation to the amount of indebtedness they can reach? And frankly, does it matter? Well, again, historically, one would have said, yes, there is a limit. But quite clearly, if we look at the last 12 years, any notion of a limit seems to have been completely banished. Uh, to give you one example... Um, the US economy under President, former President Trump has been, has been spending a lot of money they don't have. 
they cut taxes and they funded that reduction taxes by borrowing more money. The idea being that you generate more growth in the economy. And maybe that worked. But ultimately, what has happened is that you've had a massive rise in the level of public debt in the US, um, even though even before recession, they're, they're what we call budget deficit. So there is the difference between what they make in taxes and what they spend widened up massively. And that gap had to be filled by, by issuing bonds, by borrowing the, that money. Now, of course, the coronavirus has, has expanded borrowing of all governments around the world, pretty much, because they've all uh, tried to get economies out of a very deep economic hole because of coronavirus and lockdowns. I would suggest at the moment that because interest rates are so low, the real limit on governments was always the cost of financing. You know, how much was it costing them to borrow all this money? And as the answer is very little in terms of interest rate or even negative, you're actually being paid to borrow. It's very difficult to see what the limitation on governments is right now. In, indeed, the limitation on government's ability to borrow typically is just the confidence of the bond market. If the, if the bond market remains confident and investors remain confident, they will be paid back all of their money at the end of the maturity of the bond, they will continue to lend. It's only when countries, as we call default, as in decide not to pay back the money, that you get a problem. And this has happened with countries such as Argentina and Greece in the past. Then at that point, the bond market may say, no, we're not lending you any more money because you've just burnt us. You have not given us back the money as you promised. So why would we lend you any more? So there is that loss of confidence in the bond market at that point. But until you get to that point, as long as the bond market is willing to, 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 to lend to you and has confidence they'll get their money back, governments can continue to borrow and debt can go up. And in fact, what we should look at is not debt in absolute, the amount, but maybe we should look at debt as a ratio and compare it, the size of the government debt, compare that to the size of the country's economy. Because ultimately, uh, this relates to the tax base. The bigger the economy, the more tax the government can get, and therefore, the better able they should be to pay back that debt. Again, coming back to that question of confidence in, for investors in, being, in their ability to get repaid by governments. Okay, and when is an increase in government debt truly justified, do you think? Well, I think last year was an excellent example of when it's justified. That is when we had a very big disruption to the global economy because of coronavirus and the lockdowns. You had um, economic slowdown being extremely pronounced because of that. And unemployment shot up. Now, governments at this point want to encourage employment. And it's a great time for governments, therefore, to invest, to encourage employment, to encourage growth, to dig economies out of the deep hole that happened, not for any other reason than the coronavirus, which was an exogenous event. You know, it wasn't something that was external to the economy, but it had very grave consequences. At that point, I think borrowing to invest by governments makes a lot of sense. And that's exactly what they've done very promptly. And I think that has been quite successful. Yeah, and you mentioned default earlier, but does a government need to pay it back at all? I mean, or in full, at least. And in the past, how have governments dealt with their debt? Well, as I said, if governments don't intend to pay it all back, at the very least, they will need to roll over that debt and continue, continue to borrow. So this comes back to having confidence from the bond market. Confidence in the bond market comes from 
not defaulting comes from paying back your investors and paying the interest rate when you're supposed to. Now, um, in the long run, do you need to pay it all back? Probably not. But what you do need to show the markets is that you have a sustainable path. In other words, that you don't just let the level of debt escalate out of control. Now, so really, I think there are three parts. There are three ways that you can resolve debt. You can either default, just say, I haven't got the money, I'm not going to pay you back. The problem with that is you shut the bond market to you because clearly you burn your investors. They don't want to lend you any more money ever again. Well, not for a long time at least. So that is not a great solution. That tends to be very much a last ditch tactic when you have no other choice. The second option, which also is not very palatable, is you cut spending dramatically. Because again, what is debt? Debt is effectively government borrowing because there is a difference between the money they receive in taxes, in revenue, and the money they spend. So what can you do? You can either try to hike taxes to increase your tax revenue, or you can cut spending dramatically to try to close that gap so that you don't need to borrow anymore. The problem with that, either solution, whether you raise taxes dramatically or cut spending dramatically, is that you tend to cause a massive recession. So then you tend to send the economy into a downward spiral, economic activity contracts, unemployment goes up, lots of, all, lots of very undesirable consequences for governments. So they don't really want to do that either. So I think the third path is probably is the one that we, would, we, we prefer, if possible, which is to say, look, we want to pay the debt back, but we can't do it immediately because it is an awful lot of it. So we want to set out a long-term path for how are we going to sustain debt? How are we going to make sure that debt, the level of debt does not grow out of control and how we can reassure investors that they will get their money back in the long term? And I think then the, the, the plan here is for governments to spend money to generate growth, but then to grow their tax revenues. And then the idea would be to grow spending less quickly so that tax revenues catch up to government spending. And that way you can, you can project a sustainable path for debt and for growth in the long term, let's say over 20 or 25 years. And I think that is the best path forward in the long run for governments. Okay. And as CIO, do you advise your clients to invest in government bonds? Well, as CIO, we do tend to construct balanced portfolios for our clients. We have a lot of clients who are relatively risk averse, so they don't want to be taking big risks by putting all their money in the stock market, for instance. So bonds are a good alternative to that, at least, for at least part of the, their portfolios. The problem we have today is, as I've said before, government bonds attract almost zero or even negative rates of interest. So they're incredibly unattractive from an income point of view. Nevertheless, for now, we still put some of our clients' money into, into, into government bonds. But what we try to do is find pockets of value where they still exist. So that might be Italian government bonds, which still have a positive yield, albeit very small. That might be corporate bonds, which may have a slightly better yield, or it could be um, sovereign bonds further afield. So government bonds in countries such as China, where you can, for instance, get still 3% on your money if you lend the, your money to the Chinese government for 10 years. So there are small pockets that we favor, but overall it is getting a much, it is becoming a more difficult prospect for our investors to invest in government bonds today. Okay, thank you very much, Ed Shing, for your valuable contribution today. Goodbye. Thank you, Charlotte.